0: All right, so uh, I would, I, it is an, a privilege, okay? A privilege yeah. to have Pastor Ken and Pastor Trudy be here to talk to us and teach on, on prayer. And the reason it's a privilege is because the experience that you're having here is, is second to none as far as I'm concerned. And dozens of children in the faith birthed out of the ministry that they hold and so I think take take notes ask questions now I'm, I'm doing communion so I am want to step out and um, miss a little bit of it and then I'll be back and then I'll finish off with praise and worship but please do not let this opportunity just go by make sure you ask the questions on prayer because we think we know about prayer we think we think we understand prayer but I think we've only scrapped the surface and so uh, they're going to get a little deeper into it. And because of that, I might give them an additional 10 minutes because he loves to really talk. So. <laughs> and I will let him. So let me just pray real quickly. Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity you've given us. And I pray that your word just goes into our hearts, that you give us understanding. And as you gain understanding, may our faith increase. May we know exactly our position and our call, that we would go out into the world and be who you have called us to be. We thank you for Pastor Ken and Pastor Trudy, and I thank you for this particular class. And I just praise you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, there you go.
1: So we have Q&A, right? Yes. Said, like at the end? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I learned something. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, we are Ken and Trudy, and so we're talking about prayer, and get your, get your pen out, okay? Get loosened up, because there are going to be a lot of notes. Uh, so let's jump into this. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. It's amazing that Jesus opened up the door for us to be able, when he came to the earth, for us to be able to communicate with God. Prayer has always been around. It, it began in the Garden of Eden with Adam. Adam walked with God, so Adam had communication with God. We're not sure what that looked like. We see prayer all over the Old Testament, and yet when Jesus came and God became a man, now prayer is even different, it's even closer. And prayer uh, prayer is not an option to the believer, it is a necessity. The scripture doesn't say if you pray, it says when you pray. And write this down, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, and then there's other scriptures that say this. But Mark eleven twenty four, 24, Jesus made that statement that it repeats other times that uh, when you pray. So we should pray. pray prayer is the door that uh, God has, has given us. Open up to communicate with Him. I'll say this about prayer as we begin. I would not be sitting here talking to you today if not for prayer. My wife got saved before I did and filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1971. And she began to, she tried to talk to me, but I didn't have ears to listen because I was dumb. Okay, in 1971, I was very dumb and I was very young and I was in trouble too. And so she figured out pretty quickly that her badgering me, trying to talk me into this was not going to work. So she went behind my back, right? And she literally did. When I was asleep at night, she tells a story that she would lay her hands on my back and pray for me. And that unleashed God to begin to mess with my life. And so it's through prayer that I'm here today. Prayer changes things. God has designed prayer to be a great thing to change. Prayer is not a religious activity. Prayer is a legal activity. There are legalities of prayer that we need to understand. And so uh, I'm going I'm to say a word here. Write this down in your notes. To understand how prayer works, you need to know how authority works. Prayer is based on authority. We have been given authority. Now, here's a question that many people ask. Let me make a statement about this. People say, well, God is in control. And that is ultimately true. But if God is in control and is just sovereign, that means he's all-powerful and he can just do whatever he wants, why should we pray? Because the will of God will be done anyway, right? Well, Here's the, the, the principle of authority. God has limited himself to the boundaries of his word and our involvement. God has limited that his authority. He has taken that authority and he, then he's handed it off to us. And he is in that sense limited in what he can do in our lives, in your life, in my life, according to how we understand authority. Prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference. Write that down. Prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference. And there's a scripture I'm going to read. Write this down in your notes. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. We won't have time to look it all up uh, because we're going to talk about in detail in just a moment about all the different uh, uh, principles of prayer, the different types of prayers, what I want to say. But Isaiah 45, verse 11 says this. This is amazing scripture when you think about it. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons. That's talking about us people on the earth. And God says, ask of me. And concerning the work of my hands, you command me. Wow, think about that. God says, you command me. So we have the ability with the authority that we've been given in Jesus Christ to command the Lord. That doesn't mean you go boss God around. That's not the right attitude. But God is challenging us, saying, Hey, take my word. Take this, this thing I've given you called prayer with your authority and and stand on it strong. God wants you to be bold when you pray. He says, Come boldly through the throne, throne of grace. So prayer is founded in this word authority. In the beginning, God gave Adam authority. God gave humans designated authority to operate like him. Now we're not God, but understand this, we were created in the image of God, and God put us on the earth to operate like him. To operate like him. Genesis 1.26, and when this began, says this. I'm just going to read part of this scripture, Genesis 1.26, put this in your notes. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. So God says, Let us, that's God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Does that mean we look like God? I I don't know, maybe. We read in the Bible about the Lord has the hand of the Lord. We read about the... The arm of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. So maybe physically we do look, look something like God. But more importantly, we were created to operate like God. He said, let us let them. Let us let them. So God is letting us in on this dominion so we can have a, a say in our life with Him and the blessing of God on our lives.
2: I want to go back to that phrase in Genesis 126. This is so amazing. I hope it sinks in real deep. Then God said, let us let them. Let us let them have dominion. Uh, I want to give you a John Wesley quote. Some of you may know who he is, I hope. It says, it seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. That's a quote by john wesley see what we don't realize is because of the fall uh the the legal that's the legal side of it the dominion went over into satan's hands so god cannot butt in or he would be doing it illegally but when we ask with our words we release his legal authority to work on our behalf right and uh And I love this, too. Prayer does not make God do what he hadn't planned to do. But what it does is release God to do what he already decreed to do. So if you can find it in the Word, and you can see that it was a part of what Jesus did on the cross, it belongs to you, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. it. What? Prayer does not make God do what he hadn't planned to do, But what it does is release God to do what he already decreed to do in his word. So uh, God cannot legally and justly move in and take away the dominion from the devil. The The devil has dominion. But he has a legal right because he has Adam's lease. That's why Satan operates and why things happen. But God cannot do anything unless somebody down here asks him. And honestly, if you think about it, the way he created the world was with his words. He spoke everything. But once he created man, he said, I'm going to give. He didn't give us ownership, but he gave us rulership. He owns it. But he says, if you'll do it my way, I'll let you be the manager of this earth. And you can ask me and I'll see to it that these things are done. They're in my covenant for you.
1: So our entry point as we pray in the new covenant, we're in the new covenant. We're not in the old covenant. There's a big difference because of Jesus. Now things are different. And our entry point is the name of Jesus. When we pray, Jesus, you could say it this way. It's not a really good way to say it, but I'll say it. Jesus is the magic word in the name of Jesus. There is a proper way to uh, approach God respectfully. We pray in his name. We don't pray in Christ's name. We don't. We can say God, and you can say you can say Christ, but when we pray, we pray in His name. Philippians two nine says this. Therefore, God also has highly exalted Him, and given Him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, everybody say Jesus. That name has power. Every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, and of those under the earth. That's talking about. That's talking about principalities and powers. That's talking about invisible uh, influences in this earth that have reign here. They have they have some authority because of Adam, what Trudy talked about. Adam really sold out this lease that God had given him to the devil. So now the devil, because of Adam's sin, has some legal authority to do what he does. But in the name of Jesus, we can stop it. And you can stop those unthing, unseen things. We pray in Jesus' name because the Father always hear, hear's Jesus. We pray in Jesus name, or when we pray in Jesus' name, it is as if Jesus were praying. Think about that. Acts 3:16 says this. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Acts 3.16, that was a crippled man at the gate, beautiful. So there's power in that name, right? We come in that name, and then there are different kinds of ways to pray. And it's important to understand that prayer is just, you know, we we just don't take prayer It's just a general term and just throw it in a bag and shake it all up and whatever comes out. No, there are different kinds of prayers to pray for different kinds of results. Now, think about it this way. Uh, Yesterday, if you're a football fan, you probably watched the OU game, one of the best games I have ever seen in my life. So that game, there are rules to follow for, a, for OU to get to the victory, which they got in the last two seconds, right? What a game. Uh, but there's rules that you have. That's why we have referees to enforce the rules, right? And let's say that, you know, we're behind by 21 points in the first quarter. or Yeah, 28-7 in the second quarter, right? I'm trying to remember. But, you know, we're, OU's getting beat. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. There's a lot of consternation going on. A lot of prayers going on at that time, I'm sure through unbelievers. But, uh, but okay, so you see, okay, we're getting beat 28-7. So here's what I'm going to do. I think this would be great. I'm going to go out there with a baseball bat, and I'm going to start hitting people with it because that will knock these guys out, and then we can play. No, that that you can't do that. Why can't you do that? You can't play football with baseball rules, right? So there are rules of prayer that we have to follow. There are different kinds of prayers for different kinds of things. And there's a lot of misuse in prayer because people don't understand the rules of prayer. God has rules. It's not, like, it, it's not a law, but it's a principle. We'll say it that way, right? So there are principles of prayer. So we're going to list the different kinds of prayer this morning. There are nine we're going to go through. So once again, jump in here, take notes, and we're just going to jump right in here. The first prayer that we all pray is, first of all, the prayer of consecration. This is a prayer where where we turn our life over to God. And this is a prayer where you're going to come up in, in times in your life where you're going, to, you're going to say this, Lord, if it is your will, you know, open this door for me. If it is your will, you know, for instance, Trudy and I moved from West Texas to Tulsa in 1982. And we were praying that prayer a lot because I was making a big change. I had a business I owned and i had been invited to work with a guy named willie george in in ministry and You know, in order to do that, I've got two little bitty kids. We're going to move our whole family. We're going to change our residence. We're going to leave our our immediate family behind. So we're praying at that time, Lord, if it is your will, open this door for us. Uh, But here's what you don't pray for every prayer. A lot of people do this. They say at the end of every prayer, if it be thy will. You don't have to pray that for everything. This is a prayer of consecration or dedication. A good example of this is in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And Jesus prayed this prayer when He was about to go to the cross. And it says, He went away, verse 42, Matthew 26, He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, "Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. However, you don't see Jesus pray this way every time, right? That's a one-time dedication, consecration. And so... When people attempt to pray the prayer of faith or the prayer of petition or the prayer to change things, we're going to talk about these. Don't say if it be thy will, because that's a prayer of consecration. Everybody with me? God's word is his will. So if you're standing on God's word, you don't have to pray that that you know, that prayer of consecration every time. Number two prayer is a prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. This is also called the prayer of petition or the prayer to change things. Some scriptures to back up this prayer is Matthew 21, verse 22. Write that down in your notes. Uh, or Mark eleven twenty-four, 24. And this prayer is based on this scripture, Mark eleven 24. I'm going to read it. Therefore, I say unto you, Jesus talking, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So this prayer is always based on God's revealed will in His Word. And this prayer doesn't have to contain an if. You don't say, if it be thy will. Uh, for instance, you've got sickness in your body. Here's what, here's what you don't have to pray. Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. And if it be not thy will, kill me and take me to heaven. No, you don't pray that way. because wh- Why? Because we know God's will because of what Jesus did and the price He paid and He paid a price for us to be well. I'm not saying sickness won't come, challenges won't come, injuries won't come. Uh, Trudy right now is dealing with a she she turned her foot about a month ago wrong, and she tore a ligament in her knee. Just crazy thing. And so she's dealing with that. But we don't we don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, you're trying you you did this to Trudy because you're trying to teach her something. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's that that's something that happened in her body. Sickness comes, COVID tries to come against us, right? We both had to deal with COVID. Things will try to come, but we know that those things don't come from God, and it's not the will of God for us to have disease and sickness and injury. Why? Because the Scripture says Jesus took stripes on His back that we may be healed, not only 1 Peter 2, 24, not only that we may be healed, but we are healed. In the mind of God, that's been purchased, and if it's been purchased by Jesus Christ for you, it's yours. Now, there's a, 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 a walk of faith you may have to go through to get these particular things. For instance, like Trudy's knee. We're praying about that. We prayed about that. Believe God. And she may, I don't know, we're going to have an MRI on that this week. She may. Uh, what, if they, what if they have to do surgery? We're going to believe God that the surgery is going to go great. For, but for every stage of your life, understand this: God's will is His word. Uh, write this down. Such a great scripture: Second Chronicles one twenty, Second Corinthians one twenty. Excuse me, Second Corinthians one twenty. Uh, Paul tells us this: for all the promises of God, all the promises of God, you find any promise that God's given you in His word for healing, for financial blessing, whatever. All the promises of God in Him are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So, so when these things come, Pastor Josh preached on it great this morning. When these things come, it's not God bringing that against you. But we have to walk through those things and use our faith. And when we do that, actually on the other side, we're going to be better. Mm-hmm. Better on the other side. But that that's the prayer of
2: faith. You want to say anything about that, babe?
1: Well, yeah, let me say.
2: Okay. That is like there's a there's a scripture that says uh, it's in Mark 11:23 I think it says, "Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them." Now you need to look at the sentence. We talked about this in our uh, healing equip class. It says, "When you pray, you receive it." That's present tense. You're saying that's mine. It's in the money's in the bank. But it says, then you shall have it. That's future tense. So that means that it may come immediately. It might come later. But it doesn't mean God's not at work in your body. Because I've been healed a, a bunch of different ways. I've had instant miracles. I've had miracles that took five years. I've had miracles that took two weeks. But I, I know this. It's, and I learned this just from having a good father. If my father told me, come Friday, I'm going to give you 10 $10. I never doubted that for a minute. I knew if Friday came, the $10 would be in my hand. So it's like that. It's just trusting God and knowing that no matter what you're having to be patient with maybe to get the promise, God's will is that you be healed, that you be financially well, that all the things that Jesus paid for on the cross are yours, and it's never an if. Never an if.
1: Okay. Okay, we've got to go quick. Tondra is going to kick me out. Okay, number three. The prayer of casting your care on the Lord. This is founded in 1 Peter 5, 7. This is when you commit your cares and anxieties to the Lord because he does not want you to carry them because they will come and try to get on you. And burdens come. And things just come. I'd love to tell you today that that you could pray a couple of times and everything's gone. It doesn't work that way. We live life on the earth and things will come. But when they do, God doesn't want you to carry it. He wants you to come to him Come to him and cast it on him. That's a, that's, a, that, that's a powerful word, right? Cast means I give it to you, Lord. So that's all the time we have for that. Number four <laughs> is a prayer of worship. Worship is a prayer. You know, prayer is a, or, or excuse me, worship is a proper way to come before the Lord. Every time you come before the Lord. It's proper protocol. It's proper respect. Uh, of course, worship is found all over the Bible. The Psalms in Luke 24, 52, uh, when Jesus, when he had died on the cross, risen from the dead. This is some of the last verses in Luke, uh, Luke 24. It says, uh, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. And that's the way we should be. We should have an attitude of gratitude, somebody said. And that's a good thing to say. Uh, that's why we have a worship night where we just come together. And it's not about what we're wanting. We're, we're going to give to God that night. And when you do that, God always
2: shows up. Uh, that's what's in Acts. You can write this down, Thirteen one through 4. It says the people were not petitioning God to do anything. It says that they ministered to the Lord. And there are just times you just say, "Lord, I don't want anything from you. I just want to minister to you. And tell you how much I love you and appreciate you and worship you." And that's a that's the prayer of worship. So.
1: Okay, we're at number 5, praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Some people think praying in the spirit is just we pray with a lot of uh, vigor and umph and yeah, I'm praying in the spirit. No, praying in the spirit means you're praying in an unknown language. You're praying in a language that you don't understand. First Corinthians chapter 14, we don't have time to teach on this, but Paul said this. Verse 14. First Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Verse 15. Well then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So praying in the spirit is you communicating with God. You don't know the language, but God does. It's it's a gift God gives you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, the best thing you can do if you're in a situation and you qu- don't quite know how to pray because you hit that from time to time. Lord, I know I need to pray, but I don't know what to say. God has given us this wonderful thing in our spirit called praying in, the t- praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit that is a direct line to God. You're talking to Him. You're communicating with God, and when you do that your natural mind doesn't understand it but you are praying a perfect prayer that's praying in the spirit number 6 united prayer that's when we come together when we unite in prayer more power is available because the scripture says i don't have this in my rep, in my notes but it just came to me that one will put a thousand to flight but two in agreement will put 2000 to flight no it doesn't say that two will put 10,000 to flight. So your power grows up, goes up when you are in real agreement. Uh, there's an account in Acts 4:23 through31 about Peter and John being released from prison. and uh, they joined, a united prayer was made. all the believers lifted their voices to pray together after they had gotten released and the place was supernaturally shaken because everybody was in unity. When we are in unity as Christians, our power goes up. It's multiplied. It's a wonderful thing. So prayer, united prayer, is more also than just a Facebook emoji. Yes. When somebody gets on Facebook, please pray for me because I'm going through something and you see all the uh, pr- praying, praying. Anybody know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and I'm always thinking, are they really praying? Are they just saying praying? I mean, if you really pray, you pray. Pray for that person. Don't just say you pray, pray, right? Yeah. Doesn't have to be long, but pray for them. If they, you know, somebody asks me to pray, normally I will stop right there and say, "Okay, what are we praying for?" And uh, then pray if you have, if if it's, you know, a good time. Number seven, the prayer of supplication. The best way I know how to explain this prayer is: this is a time when you just pour your heart out to the Lord. The Book of Psalms is filled with the prayer of supplication with David. Uh, you know, David had such a great relationship with God, speaks to it, intimate. And David understood how to get with God and just pour his heart out and tell him what he's feeling. You know, you don't want to do that with just anybody. You don't want to just come up to somebody and just, just throw up on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can just throw up on God. I believe that. I, I'll give you a scripture. Uh, Psalm 62, 7. It says this, in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah, whenever you feel bad and depressed and in trouble in your worst time, and don't look at me like that. We all feel like that from time to time. And you feel like you've been neglected and thrown away. You haven't. Jesus never does that to you. Go supplicate before him. He wants to help you. Ephesians 6, 18, praying with all prayer and supplication. All kinds of prayer. We're talking about the different kinds of prayer. And then that supplication. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So that's the prayer of supplication. Number eight is the prayer of binding and loosing. This is also called the prayer of agreement. And this prayer requires two people. And, and I kind of got into this. It's when somebody says to you, pray for me and, you know, uh, say, what are we praying for? And somebody wants you to agree. And, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, I-, I want you to agree with me. And so what are we agreeing about? Well, I'd rather not say, I can't agree with you on that. I mean, I pray for you. I pray for you in the spirit. But the prayer of agreement is when you both have a point of agreement and you come together and, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Trudy mentioned, equip. We had an equip night a month or so ago, and we had different classes. And we did a healing class, and there was a man that came up uh, that had just by, been diagnosed with cancer. And I said, "What do you want?" And he said, "I want to be healed." And we'd taught on healing and standing in faith for healing, so we prayed for him. And about a week ago, we got he went to the doctor. And they were going to do chemo, and he said they changed it. The the diagnosis was not good. I understand. I don't know all the details of this. But he thought it was stage four, and it ended up being stage one. They don't have to do chemo, and God moved. But there was agreement, right? Uh, And he was healed from that. So I kind of touched on this, but let me say this. If somebody comes up to you and wants you to agree with them, ask them this. What is your scripture we're agreeing on? And if they don't have one, you may suggest one and give them a scripture. You need when you're going to make a stand, you need to have something solid for your foundation to stand on. Because you're standing. The prayer of agreement is standing together. So uh, find a scripture. When Trudy and I, when things come against us, we say, what are we going to stand on? And we'll and we may study a little bit and we'll find something that and, and then we'll, you know, we'll read the word and we may listen to some some teaching. Uh, and we'll say, how are we going to agree on this? It's something that we come at after some thought, right? So you want to say something about that? No. Okay. Okay. We're number nine. We're going to talk maybe a bit about this one, but this is number nine is intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. This is when you stand in the gap for somebody or a, a cause, or you pray for somebody. This is also a prayer to hold back judgment. This is founded the first time back in Genesis 18 and 19 when Lot, Abraham's nephew, was in Sodom and Gomorrah and God was going to come down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. A judgment was about to happen, but Abraham interceded. And Lot, Abraham didn't stop the judgment, but Abraham stopped the judgment on Lot. And so this is a prayer that that is powerful. This is a prayer, one of the best ways to pray, uh, one of the best places to pray this prayer is in your family, for family members.
2: Yeah, and intercessory prayer, generally you hear people and they call everything intercessory prayer. But it's not all intercessory prayer. There is an intercessory prayer, like he said. Uh, sometimes this is a type of prayer you would be praying for someone that's not saved. You know, you want them to be saved. So you're interceding or you're standing in the gap for them, because maybe they're not in a place where they can believe, but you may have some type of authority in their life, or uh, you just have a burden to pray for somebody. Then, and, and that's happened to me many times, is you'll just have a, a, a knowing that you need to pray for someone, and so you intercede for them. That means you step in between whatever it is and them and take it to God for him to help them with now I've heard this too also that um, that there's uh, inter- intercessors or there's a ministry of intercession personally I don't believe there is a ministry of intercession I believe everybody's supposed to pray because what I see people do is they say, well we'll go tell the intercessors and you say, there's one that needs to pray. Everybody needs to pray. That's what Jesus said. He said, when you pray. Now, there are people maybe that are more developed in that because they've just spent more time doing it, you know. I've spent my life in praying, inter- you know, intercessory prayer groups or whatever, but, you know, I, I don't want people to come to me and say, well, she'll get it done for me. That's See, that's not God's way. Everybody's a child of God. He wants everyone to pray. So, intercessory prayer is that prayer that you pray you know just recently we've been praying for the church in Afghanistan that can be a form of intercessory prayer they need help they need someone praying for them lifting their arms up it's like when Moses was in battle and uh, uh, her and Aaron lifted his arms up for him held his arms up it's a time of strengthening people too so uh, those are the the nine and uh, you got anything else say on that
1: let me, let me give you a personal example of this. When, when, uh, Trudy and I got saved in 1971 we were serving God and, and my dad was not a Christian. My mom was, but I, it was so, we had such a radical conversion and Trudy had crossed eyes and in a prayer meeting one night, had, grew up with this and her eye, got, Jesus came in and in an hour, they prayed for her. Her eyes went straight and her vision went 20, 20. And this is one of the things that brought me to the Lord, uh, but uh you know I wanted to tell my dad about this and I wasn't real close to my dad but I loved him and he's my dad and and that's what you think I think whenever you really meet God you want your fa- you want this in your family right yeah. So I go to my dad and I and I try to tell him I don't know a lot how to tell him and he looks at me and he says I forbid you to come to my house and talk about this again and it broke my heart but what are you going to do you can't you cannot I cannot go in there when he said that and keep on preaching. Uh, he, you know, this is his, he, that's his authority. But I can be sneaky. I can pray for him. And I found this scripture, Acts 16, 31, that says, if you'll believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Isn't that great? Just believing in him, you'll be saved. But then it goes on. I love this. And your house. The word house there means your family. So you can pray this for your family. So my dad, he weren't listening to me, but I began to pray for him, and I prayed for him every day. And it wasn't a long prayer; I just pray and I'd say, "And Father, I thank you that 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 my dad is going to come to Jesus." And I prayed that for a couple of years. One day I was mopping the floor in this restaurant, this little restaurant we ran, little greasy spoon and I'm mopping the floor and the Holy Spirit came on me and spoke to me and says, your dad will be saved. And I knew it that I knew it. You know, you can have a knowing in your heart. And I knew it, but I kept on praying. And it's like eight, nine years later, but I get a phone call and my mom and dad are on this trip to Virginia and uh, back in the 70s, and a bunch of farmers are going to Virginia, p- kind of protesting some, some of the things that were going on politically. But during that time, there was a guy that would get out to all these farmers. They did a tractor K. They were driving tractors out there. And they would, uh, And there was a guy, the preacher from Arkansas, would get up and preach. To, and they'd have church on Sunday when, they're, you know, when they've stopped. And so my dad listens to this guy. And my mom and my dad listen to this guy. And they go back to their hotel room. My mom tells a story. And uh, my mom knew something was going on in my dad's heart. And so she said, she asked my dad, she said, if that guy would have led you in a prayer to receive Jesus, would you have done it today? And my dad said, yeah. He's in his 50s. She said, can I pray with you? And in the hotel room that day, my dad got saved. And he's in heaven today. Your prayers are powerful. Intercessory prayer can change things. We've got to see... This is a powerful thing. And God wants to use these things to uh for us to spiritually communicate with him and change your world. Does that help anybody? Yes. Questions? How much time we got? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes for questions. United. Um, got it? Is that it? Okay. we were preaching so good james you yeah okay number f- number four is a prayer of worship prayer of worship and number five is praying in the spirit praying in unknown language any other questions Yeah, I think I think what we mean by that is, uh, for for instance, I held back judgment on my dad because he was going to hell. All right. So, yeah, you can enter, you know, and, and here's the thing. God didn't make him get saved, but he gave him a lot of opportunity. Uh, Trudy prayed for me and, and man, it was effective. And I didn't even tell her. But there were two particular times when she's praying for me, and I'm running from God, and it doesn't look like anything's working. That's, what, that's why it's a prayer of intercession. you got to stay with it. Uh, and there were two particular times God showed up in my life. One day I'm trimming lettuce at a grocery store I'm working in, and the presence of God came in the back room, and I started weeping. And I knew, I knew God was there, and I was messed up. I was embarrassed. A guy working with me comes back and looks at me and goes, Oh man, he leaves. He's <laughs> thinking he's having a moment. And I thought, What's wrong with me? And, and then I'm driving to a liquor store one day and God came in my car because of her prayer. See, God, we don't, God won't make anybody do anything, but our prayers open the door for God to come and, and do what only He can do. Because the Lord told me, He told me three things that day that marked my life forever. It, and it's really the big three questions of life or statements. He said, "I love you." He said, "I want to help you, number two. And then he said, "Why don't you ask me to help you?" That's God. He loves everybody. He wants to help everybody. He loves the world, John 3:16. But unless we ask, he will not butt into anybody's life. But if we'll ask, oh my Lord, I mean, it's amazing. I still am. I, I'm still amazed. This church exists. And we're not taking any credit, but it exists. We're sitting here today because of what happened in in our house in 1971, in our little apartment, and the world is getting rocked. It's getting rocked right now. So. And that's not because of us. No, you no.
2: What I'm uh, do I have time to tell one little story? Uh. He was talking about how we had a radical uh, move, move of God in our family. And uh, that's really where this started in, in the 70s. Uh, there was a little woman that lived across the street from our house in Crest, Texas, a little bitty rural community. And uh, she she was a little Pentecostal woman. They, that's what they called her. Said Everybody thought she was strange because she was Pentecostal. But anyway... She lived across the railroad tracks from our home and she stepped outside one day and the Lord told her said pray for the people in the big white house over there and that little lady began to pray every day. She'd step outside and pray for our family and she said one day as she's praying she saw angels going up and coming down over our home and uh, so she just continued to pray. Well uh, a revival hit my family. Uh, in three months' time, we, we came from a denominational church that did not believe in healing. It didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. It didn't really believe much in much of anything, <laughs> except you better do it right or you're you're not going. You know that's kind of very legalistic. But uh, she kept praying for us, and so uh, this move of the Spirit hit our family. And in three months' time, there were 35 members of my immediate family that were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it was just a miracle. And we're thinking, and nobody else in town it happened to, this little town, not any other family. And so we don't know why it happened, but uh, one day that little lady came across to my mom and dad's house, and she said, I, I heard the Holy Spirit visited your home. And my dad said, yes, he has and she said can I tell you something she said the Lord told me to pray for your home and she said I've been praying every day for your family for 10 years 10 years now that's probably where all this started because it started with that one little faithful lady that everybody made fun of that didn't know how to do anything else but pray for that family in the White House and yet it released God to work in my family. And it's gone on for generation and generation and generation. There's nothing like the power of prayer. Nothing.
1: So two books we recommend on prayer. Probably our two go-tos. Number one is The Art of Prayer by Kenneth Hagan. You can find both these on Amazon. The Art of Prayer. And then number two, Understanding the Power and Purpose of Prayer. By Miles Monroe, both these guys are in heaven now, but these books are awesome. so you got that? We're done to
0: All right, for those that actually don't know, that's that's Pastor Josh's dad and mom. Okay? And my dad and mom too, so.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So, all right, so we're going to move on to praise and worship and do you mind erasing that if you can do that? Okay. All right, so looking at the the um, subject topic of praise and worship, man. There's like, no matter what I do, it's going to be a blip in the whole lesson that I could teach on on praise and worship. No, no matter what I, I I teach you today, it's going to simply just scratch the surface. So I'm gonna trust you to 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 get deeper and. Um, if there are any questions that you're going to have after this, then let's let's get into it because there's a whole lot to unravel. Because in some sense, praise and worship seem like the same thing and are interchangeable in certain instances, but then they're not. So it's kind of tricky for you to figure out exactly what the difference is. So I'm about to take you on a little journey here. And, and, and in this journey, it... It, it, it is easier if we have read a lot before we get here. So, because I know we probably might not have, I have to explain a whole lot in a really short space of time. Okay? So, work with me as I take you on this journey, okay? And if, if it's clear as mud, apparently that's a thing in Oklahoma. Things can be clear as mud. So, if it's clear as mud, just remember we're in Oklahoma. So, that's why it's clear as mud. Okay. So... God creates Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the day, okay? And in walking with God in the in walking with God in the cool of the day, they have relationship with God, they have fellowship with God. Sin enters into the world. And when sin enters into the world, there's a separation. Now that there's a separation and the aspect of fellowship is not as easily found as it was in the first time, then man now has to call on the name of the Lord because now there's a separation and a breaking between the fellowship that man had with God. And so then sin has entered into the world and people are all in messes and in places and doing all crazy things but the one thing that we first find are two gentlemen one named Cain and one named Abel and the bible tells us that they sacrificed and who remembers this narrative okay only one person went to oh oh okay all right so his sacrifice was not accepted and the reason why it was not accepted by the Bible says or God says to Cain if you do what is right will you not will your sacrifice not be accepted but sin is looking to encroach you or to over to overtake you okay so you must be careful so in the moment of sacrifice whenever we come to the place of praise and worship, sin is easily present to try and take over that experience because again what praise does, praise unlocks the moment for you to get to the place of worship. Praise unlocks the door for you to get to the place of of worship. okay so following on, Abel does what is right but what we pick from here, is that worship, or worship, which is really the end goal, is nomadic. Okay? So what that means is when people were worshiping God at this time, I'm in Genesis, when people were worshiping God, they built little altars here and little altars there, and then they moved on. They did not have a centrality of worship. We're together there was no central place that they needed to worship so which means every experience that somebody has on 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 worship was a self experience that was not taught that was not a place where you say this is how it's done okay in other words god showed up in the way that he showed up and people responded to him in worship okay still in genesis one example because i don't have time remember jacob's ladder so Jacob goes to sleep. He's running away. He's actually done something that's not great, but he's running away. And as he's running away, he falls asleep. And he falls asleep. He sees angels ascending and descending from heaven. And what's his response after that? He wakes up and he says, Surely the gate of heaven is right here, and I did not know it. And then he builds an, an altar. Okay? So that was his response. So God then takes away nomadic worship, a nomadic reference, and creates a new way of worship through a sanctuary known as the tabernacle. Okay? So, I'm going to take you through this here so that we can see the full picture of praise and worship. And my pen is not writing as well as I want it to. Okay. So, we're moving from a nomadic experience of worship in which... Man responds to God in worship by sacrificing or building an altar. Okay? Remember uh, Abraham? What did he do with Isaac? Took him to the mountain, and then they were to sacrifice. They never went back to that mountain. They didn't have to go back to that altar that they built there. So it's very nomadic. So now we come to Exodus. So in Exodus, God is wanting to create a sanctuary, a place. Thank you, Daniel. A place in which we actually get the true revelation of what praise and worship is. Because again, here it's nomadic and undefined. And now is coming to define it because they have left captivity and are now in freedom. Okay? So everything I'm going to give you right now, this is the chunk. Exodus chapter 25 to 30. It's going to be fun when you read that. Yeah. Okay, so here's what we have. Ooh, it's two colors. That's awesome. Okay, my drawing is not going to be excellent, but... Okay, so this is my version of the tabernacle. I'm not an excellent drawer person, okay, so bear with me. So this is the tabernacle, the sanctuary that God creates. And and I'm, I'm doing all this to get you to understand the difference between praise and worship. So if you read Psalm 100 verse four, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So what it means is these are the courts okay and nobody could just get into the tabernacle only the high priest could do that okay only the high priest could enter the tabernacle so why does the high priest need to enter the tabernacle because in here i should actually do that okay so in here is what is known as the most holy place and through worship, the priest is going to hear the voice of God. So, the reason why you worship is to speak and to hear when you elevate the worship of God. That's why you worship. You're elevating his worship. And the reason you hear it, the, the end result of worship. Hear me, saints. The end result of worship is not for you to feel warm and fuzzy. It is for you to hear the voice of God. Okay. And again, if you if you go further, I'm going to come back to this. If you go further, again, I got a lot to cover in a short space of time. But if you go further, the prophet says because they wanted to hear what God was going to say on the matter, and the prophet says, "Bring me a minstrel." Okay, a minstrel is a musician who's playing an instrument, and as the Minstrel is playing, the presence of God comes, and God speaks. Okay? So praise is the way we enter in to come to this place that's known as the most holy place in which you hear the voice of God. So praise is the beginning process. So what is praise? Praise is just telling God how awesome He is for the things He has done. So praise... Is out of what has been done, what God has done. So it's so simple, right? If I come to you and I say, Man, you're awesome. The way you put your gear together, man, you look nice. I like how you, that's praise. I am telling him great things about something that he has done. Okay, it's not worship. You don't have to have intimacy with God in order to begin to praise. Why? Because all you're doing is just getting into the courts and not to the deepest place in which you are to hear his voice. Are you with me so far? Okay, so praise is setting the stage. So when you're praising God, you're setting the stage. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of God. Of his people, So, again, it's like you're inviting him to a party and you're saying, let me just tell you how amazing you are. Because as far as the east is from the west, so you too, you have set my transgression away from me. You are the one who has saved my life. Without you, I am nothing. You are the God above all things. Whatever you say will be accomplished. You are great in everything that you do. That is praise so even when you're dealing with in, in in prayer again you begin with praise right our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name that's praise right there hallowed be your, your name is great is what you're saying because you are praising him so praise is giving him uh uh, what, what's due to him because of what he has done, telling him who he is, what he has done. And so that gets you into the courtyard of the tabernacle of the sanctuary. Okay? So this is the centrality. The moment you're in the tabernacle, the first thing you're going to see is the altar of sacrifice. So this is where they would take the animals and they would sacrifice the animal and blood had to be spilt. Because, again, they understood that the life of the animal is in the blood. And for you, in order to get to the place that is holy, there has to be a sacrifice of blood because sin was present. Okay? Because sin is present, blood has to be spilled for the remission of sin. Because the wages of sin is? Okay. So there has to be death for the sin to be canceled out. So they would bring all the animals, and this is where it would be sacrificed. Okay, once they sacrifice the animal, so they've entered in, in praise, they've got in, they sacrifice the animal. The next thing that they would see here is the, how do you say it? L-A-V-A, is it lava, lava? How do you pronounce that? There you go, lava. So then they'll see the lava. Okay, the lava is water. It's a big basin, and water is inside. Okay, so when you're here, you're going to wash your feet, and you're going to wash your hands before you get into the holy place, okay? So here you sacrificed, and then here you wash, okay? So the idea or the concept of I've entered in with praise, in order for me to get to worship, there's a remission of sin. The laver represents an ability for you to see your hands as you wash and that you're removing the dirt off of you before you get into the holy place. And that represents the word of God. Okay? So when you hear people talking about prayer or worship or praising that you're going to worship and what you're going to use in order for you to worship right or to praise right is the Word of God. Okay? So I don't praise him in uh, street in street word, not to say you can't say God, you're cool, but I'm just saying what, what guides you in understanding who he is in order for you to praise him right is through the word. Okay? I, can't, I can't praise him forgive me five wives. Does that make sense? I can't praise him to say, hey, man, I went and did an illegal deal and it came through. God, you're great. Okay, I have to have his word to know who he is in order for me to praise him right. So that's the word, the washing of the word to make us pure after the the, 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 the blood has been spilled at the altar of sacrifice. And then the moment you leave this place, you go into the most holy into the holy place. So there are two chambers, two rooms in this final place here. There is the holy place and then there's the most holy place. In the holy place are three artifacts. There is the uh, table of showbread, there is the uh, golden lampstead and the table of incense. So those are the three things that are in the holy holy place. In that place, the one I want to highlight is the incense. So the Bible speaks to the incense as the prayers of the saints that rise as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And that prayer, when you're now in that prayer, is a connection that links you from what he has done to who he is. Okay? You now go from what he has done to who he is, and that rises as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And as that rises to the sweet, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, now you have access to get to the most holy place. In the most holy place was one artifact, and that was known as the... Thank you. The Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had a mercy seat. Okay? So, and when the priest kneels in front of the Ark of the Covenant, the Word of God says between, so there's an angel, one looking this way, one looking that way. So the angels are facing, uh, they're looking at each other, but their faces are faced down on the mercy seat. Okay? And right there, the Bible says, God says, from right there, you will hear my voice. So you get into that place of worship and adoration of who he is because of his worth. And then that is what allows his voice to be heard. So it's not just the song. Okay. The song, just like I was saying today during communion, if you heard me, the song is a means to an end. The song itself is not the end. The words that you speak are a means to an end. The words themselves are not the end. And we treat praise and worship like that sometimes where we come in and this, and, and it's not always just that. It, it doesn't always have to be in the church setting, but we come in and we sing the songs, sing the tune. Sometimes you don't know what the words are saying because it's a new song. I'm not so sure. And then after that, we sit down with this much expectation that I'm going to hear God's voice. So praise and worship really is the key to unlocking your ability to hear God at an intimate level. Okay? So this then, we talked about nomadic, right? Nomadic without structure, without teaching. And men, men were building altar in response to what God was was doing uh, uh, what God had done and then we come here to where there is the the tabernacle to where now he kind of gives us a vision of the expectation that he has and then this moves and becomes a temple okay in the temple a bunch of other courts are, a- are added And then there still has, you still have this kind of structure here, except you don't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore, but you have these big curtains that are covering the most holy place. And again, not anybody can enter into that place. Okay, you're tracking with me. So now this is a big temple. It's not just a tent. It's now a big temple. It's moved from a tent to a big temple. And then you've got those curtains. And so if you read... Hebrews, somebody Google this for me and tell me exactly where it is so I can give somebody the actual um, um, uh, verse, chapter and verse. In Hebrews, it says, in times past, God has spoken us through his prophets. At various times, he has spoken us through his prophets. But now, he speaks to us through his son. Okay, can somebody find that for me so I can give a reference to that? Okay, so, again, That scripture in Hebrews is showing us that who has the ability to hear the voice of God in true worship is the priest who actually goes through all this process to get into that most holy place. And then the priest is the one that then can share or can speak what the the Lord is saying. So, too, the prophets are the ones that are designated or given this significant opportunity to hear the voice of God and then share it with the people. But... When Jesus died on the cross, who remembers what happened to these curtains? Right. They tore. And the reason they tore is because now that you have understanding of the principle of what this is, the tabernacle moves to the temple, now moves back into the heart of men. Okay? So now you know the principle that I praise and worship, and then the temple... And you understand still praise and worship is a thing. And then the priest is the only one who gets there. And God is not saying, okay, now that you understand what praise is, now that you see an image of how praise works, that your goal is to get to this place. Your goal is to get this place. I've moved this right here into your heart. That's why you guard your heart. From out of it flows the issues of life. So when you're in a dry place, when this feels like it is hard to get a hold of, you can break it down by praise and worship. So when you feel like the ceiling, right? You feel like you're praying and it's hitting the ceiling. It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. You're going to break it down by praise and worship. And then here's the scripture. Did anyone find that Hebrews 1? Hebrews? There you go. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Okay? It's at the very beginning of Hebrews. Okay, so to understand how this happens now. Because again, only the priest, remember, is allowed to get into this place. So then 2 Peter, I believe it is, or it First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, says, We have become a holy nation, a royal priesthood. To declare the praise, in the other versions say the essence of who he is, because now it is localized in my heart. So I carry worship with me wherever I go. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's the depth of praise and worship. That's the worship of God that we're talking about. That, again, it, it's not a time in church. Like, you know, when we start our service, we have praise and worship. And our minds can be locked in to just thinking that. Right? Our minds can be locked in. The song is not the worship, neither is the praise. Those are tools that are being used to help in praise and worship. Does that make sense? So which means I actually don't need a song in order to worship. The thing that I actually need in order to have true worship is understanding. And then I declare that from my mouth, and then that opens up the key to listen. So here's here's my question for us. As we go deeper into this word, as we go deeper into studying the word, because that's the design of these classes, are you expecting to hear God? Are you expecting that God can actually speak? Because... Living God, yes. We believe he's a living God. Well, living things communicate. dead things do not. So that's why idols and all that is nonsense because they do not communicate. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> that's why when you look at these other religions and you look at, at, at Buddhism or you look at even, even Islam we're talking about people that are dead when you talk about Muhammad people that are dead that do not communicate the Bible says the dead have nothing to do with the living right and so that's that's what you want as you go through life that's why this is the last part of this whole thing that's why praise and worship is what we're ending with as you go through life What do you want? What's the purpose of your existence? What are you wanting to do? You can only, even if you have all the money in the world, you won't find your true self with that money. So it's not needing more money. Uh, How many cars can you drive at a time? You can have 10, 15, 20. So it's not about getting more cars. Neither is it about getting more money. Or neither is it about power and having status and position What's the goal? I'm here to tell you that the goal and the purpose of it all is to hear his voice and do as he asks. Because obedience then is above, thank you. Obedience is above sacrifice. So if obedience is above sacrifice, how can I obey if I have not heard? So, this whole thing is just a setup for you to commune with God in order for you to hear His voice and then you do His will. Amen? Amen. Okay. Any questions? Yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the,
1: you've got the tent of meeting or the Moses Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, it's called various things. Yeah. But uh, would you say that it's.
0: Yes. Would you say that's a good pictorial of that for someone to look at to maybe understand what's happening to us when we the Yes. 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 Again, yeah. Well thanks, James. I'm not teaching on the tabernacle, but yes. <laughs> right. Right, so what he's talking about in the tabernacle, there are three separate distinctions in terms of the room. So you've got the outer court, that's one. Then you've got the inner court, and then you've got the most holy place. So he's talking about this being the spirit of man, this being the soul, and this being the body of man. So again, that is if we're going to teach on the tabernacle, then we can get much deeper into how that is a picture of Christ that is to come. I mean, there's so much uh, right there on it. And I, I wrestle to figure out how do we get to understand praise and worship, because Pastor Sarah Wright recently preached on, on worship anyway, and I was trying to get to not re- replicate that, but give you more of a scholastic understanding of how praise and worship kind of functions. Okay. Thank you, James. any any other questions thoughts comments on the whole class you don't have to be just on praise and worship oh thanks bobby (laughs) appreciate it she gave me a sitting ovation (laughs) no (laughs) thanks bobby okay any other questions before i close it okay so that email discipleship at newsongpeople.com is managed by my good friend Daniel Weedle there because I am busy doing 50 million things. So he kind of helps and communicates with me and tells me what's going on. And so far, only one person did their homework and two people last week. And so he told me, he said, be nice about it, but I really want to read more. So please send in your homework so that he doesn't say, hey, I want to read people's homework and they're not sending it to me. So send him his homework. But the other thing that you can do is when you think of questions, when you think of thoughts, when you're studying these things and something pops into your head, just email daniel and he will communicate with me most cases you know he's a guru he'll answer it for you and say yeah just go to this scripture read this concordance and go to the he'll tell you what to do but again he'll coordinate with me so yeah so either way you we will respond so please do so in any thoughts on on any subject concerning uh concerning the bible all right i'm gonna pray us out thank you so much this is our last day of class oh man I think, we should, I think we should have a graduation thing next time or <laughs> yeah. something like that. That would be cool, you know, getting somebody with a certificate or something. And say, uh, I want to say this. I want to say thank you
1: for taking time out and doing that. And it, New Song Church is blessed to have so many people with the knowledge of God's Word that yeah. is willing to stand up and teach people the true nature of God. So yeah. thank you guys for all
0: that. Yes, Aw, thank you. Aww, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate hearing that, too. All right, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and I thank you for the seed that has been planted in our hearts and in our minds. When we go from here with our curiosity raised up to the roof that it will cause us to go and pick up the Bible, pick up the Word, and say, man, I want to get to know that more. I want to understand that a little deeper. I want to get to know you, and I want to hear your voice, and I need to know how to get there. I pray that there's a hunger that is stirred up in us. God, we we listen to so much information, be it in the TV shows we watch, the movies we see, the politics we listen to, each other on Facebook, that sometimes we don't just spend time just to hear you. And I pray that we would, look and seek for your voice in all things and all matters and only your voice do we speak and share uh, boldly with other people as opposed to just our opinions i thank you and honor you and may everybody who's been in this class and who's listening online may they be blessed immensely and i even speak a blessing on the families that are represented. god just touch everybody that they would know that you are there and they would know your presence and they would know your goodness and your holiness we thank you and honor you and it's in jesus name we pray amen